Hey everybody, Caleb here. I just wanted to just let you guys know the world's an unpredictable, crazy place. And don't make insurance be one of the things you got to stress about. Give my friend Scott Gillette a call and he can help you anything insurance-wise. Auto, home, life, recreational, you need it. It's, it's, it's going to be there. Give your family the coverage it deserves. Give Scott a call at 918-336-7770 or stop by and see him at 1725 Southeast Washington Boulevard, Suite B. He's going to be here for your insurance needs. Talk to Scott at Farmers Insurance today. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Northfield Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Gordon. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to be a part of the program today. As always, I want to say thanks to our friends at Outpost Coffee for providing us with incredible caffeinated beverages. You cannot go wrong. I know it's hot. Go get yourself something iced down at Outpost Coffee. Check them out, outpostcoffeeco.com. So on the program today, I am sitting down with one of my best friends, Will Smith, not the actor, the pastor <laughs> will smith he is a dear brother of mine we've been friends for uh, going on 30 years we just did the calculation and the math today uh, we sat down and talked about life ministry marriage friendships um theology what we're reading all the just just a fun conversation between two friends um and i just hope that this conversation blesses you and encourages you today Well, hey, Will. How's it going? All good. Are we in the middle of this thing? <laughs> we start it right now. Yeah, We're just going to kick it off. <laughs> Three, two, one. Three, two, one. And action. Here it is. Um, so a lot of people that hear this, some of them know that we're... We, how long have we been friends? I mean, I was thinking about that yesterday. So I think I was 16 years old. You were driving the Honda Accord. I was driving the Honda Accord. <laughs> With yeah, with the, the was that did you have like two my gigantic subwoofers in the back of that? Yeah, man, because you know, when you're <laughs> like sixteen, you make you make great decisions about life. Put two giant subwoofers in the back of a but Honda think, Accord. Yeah, originally it was in the back of a nineteen eighty four Chevy Cavalier, <laughs> and then uh, it transferred it over because you know who doesn't want a sound system that costs more than their car. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, we've been, I mean, I, I remember you pulled up. We had a mutual friend who came out to dad, mom and dad's house. I don't, you know, that's where I live, too. Um, my house as well. Um, you pulled up with him, and, and I knew Joe, and you and you, and you and I both were mutual friends of him. And so um, he, you, bopped, you bopped out of the car, and, like, it clicked off pretty, pretty quick. I mean, you're... you're Quick witted humor and everything. I was like, this guy. I like this guy. And we're gonna be friends. I was like, we're gonna be friends. I I can just see it right now. We can be friends. And uh, you went to Highland Park Baptist Church. I went to Trinity Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. Um, I ended up going to all the. I went to False Creek with you guys a couple times. Yeah. That's been a while, man. You got a better memory than I do. Ninety. I don't remember anything about it. You remember I broke my kneecap on that ski trip. Yeah. Uh, We're coming up on 30 years, man. Yeah, so it was close to 30 years of friendship. Yeah, we're getting old. That's a long time. But seriously, you're one of the only guys that I've really stayed connected with from high school. Like, you're, I think. Oh, for sure. I think you're it. Like, I'm looking, I'm thinking back on my high school friendships. Like, genuine guys that I ran with in high school. Um,. Oh yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't keep up with hardly anybody. Yeah, I mean, you're it. Like I'm thinking, realize, and not out of any other reason that lives just go separate ways. Yeah, no, and it's just lives. we're busy. But yeah, and um, and I think we've made it intentional. Like that's the cool thing is you and I we're intentional with our friendship. We don't like we. I mean, it's not a okay. You have to do this. You're gonna make me. You're gonna make a phone call this week. We just like as we as something as the promptings come, like I'll call you and you or you text me or I'll text yeah. you or and. I think your primary reason for even wanting to come back and see me is not because of me. You want to go eat Frank and Lola's. <laughs> Frank and Lola's is the place. <laughs> it gives a good reason to go to Frank and Lola's. Yeah. If you don't know, people that are like, who's Frank and Lola's? It's a restaurant. It's a hole-in-the-wall restaurant here in Bartlesville that is legitimately, it's good. It like, is my favorite restaurant. It's so good. I mean, it's really good. In what, the world. He eats it in the world? That's a big 
And you've been yeah. all listen. You've literally been all over the world. Yeah, and it's my favorite. Really, I, I love. It's my freaking yeah. You and you and my wife both love that salmon. Well, now you've got even your wife involved in the salmon train. Yeah. I may end up trying this. I may try it tonight just because. Yeah, it'll change your life. Well, yeah. let me try. We're doing Frank and Lawless tonight, so this is obviously being recorded before we go eat dinner. Um, so now, so okay, so we graduate high school. Mm-hmm. By the way, you graduated a year older than you're a year older than me. So. What, did you you graduated in '98? Didn't you? Did you graduate? 98? I graduated in '98, bro. But you're still a year older. I was. I am. A, yeah. Why I is am. that, Caleb? Because my parents decided to hold me back. I don't know. I was technically supposed to graduate in 97, but my parents were like, no, we're going to hold him back one year. Okay, fine, Mom. Fine, Dad. I had no... And I went to a completely different school. You went to Bartlesville. I went to Dewey, which it was hilarious because my parents... I had gone first eight years of my school career in private education, private Christian education. My parents were like, okay, looking at the... Bartlesville's this big huge school and Caleb's not going to do well so let's put him in this small podunk country <laughs> public school in Dewey, Oklahoma and he'll do much better oh my gosh worst thing ever happened like it was such a bad experience like I I hated high school like it was the worst because I went to this podunk redneck school and I wish I'd gone to Bartlesville but that's just you know that's all that was my my, my parents did what they thought they yeah, could absolutely. do <clears throat> no nothing wrong with that so they thought they did the right thing. Um, so you you got we graduated high school in ninety eight, and then you went off to OBU and helped move you into OBU. Yeah, uh, we we hooked up the the Honda Accord and my whatever car I had at the time. I don't know. I've had a lot and hauled you down there and helped you move in. And you were you there for all four years? I did. You just yeah. went straight four years through, got your degree. What did you end up getting your degree in? Oh, uh, it was a uh, uh, Bachelor of Arts, Christian Education, but with an emphasis in student ministry. So it was basically a youth ministry major. Okay. And so so typical OBU things. People go to most uh, most OBU students go there for ministry stuff. Typically, um, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. They go to other good schools as well, but the majority <coughs> of people go to sure. some some form of ministry. Some type of ministry. So you go off to there and then you finish there, you graduate, and then where do you go from there? Uh, I got married my senior year and of OBU, and so wife and I left there um, and went to uh, Arkansas, served for five years at a church in Mena, Arkansas. So you were in Arkansas? I, I, I didn't realize you were there for five years. Yep. Holy smoke. Five years. I have a five years. In the story here, you'll see that there's a five year plan. Five year plan every place you go. Mm-hmm. And what's hilarious, every place you've been to, I've gone and preached to mm-hmm. your group of students at almost every, I think almost, I think every church, almost, except for one. Um, the first one you were in, Kentucky. Owensboro. I didn't go to, I didn't go to Owensboro. Um, but you were in Mina for five years, did that, and came over there, and God, it was such a fun, that was a cool time. I mean, it's not too far from my aunt. My aunt lives mm-hmm. over in Pencil Bluff, which is just, yeah. just right around the corner. <clears throat> right around the corner, and then, you get done there. Um, you have, how many kids you got? Four. Four? So you and I got the same amount. We got, both got four kids. Yeah, we had the first kid in Arkansas. Of course, we were there for five years and did student ministry there. And then we left there, went to Alabama, and we served five years, believe it or not, at the church in Oxford, Alabama. And had that was a, now that was a cool kids. experience. Oxford was great. That was yeah. a fun experience had, for you guys. They were really, really fortunate with us. Like, the churches that the Lord has placed us in have been very gracious for one, and uh, uh, but also been just just an awesome, awesome churches. Yeah. So you're in uh, Oxford was not Oxford. Owens, oh, yeah, Oxford, mm-hmm. Oxford, Alabama. So that was I never. That was our. You you called me. <clears throat> it was in the. It was right before fall kicks off, and you're like, "Hey, we're planning our summer um, camp." And we're going to this place called Laguna Christian Camp in Panama City, Florida. And I, he said, "Oh, fly, fly you and Jamie out." I was like, "Yes." I didn't even ask my, I didn't even ask Jamie. I was just like, "Yes, we'll do it." Because <laughs> so I was like, "Yeah, I want to go spend a week with Will," and we did that. Uh, that was that was fantastic. Oh my gosh, it was yeah, so it much was. fun. It was a good trip. It was a good church. We did. Uh, we call it Beach Retreat every year for our summer camp there. 
So. Did you do that every summer? Mm-hmm. How long? You guys were there five years? We were there five years. They were doing it prior to me getting there, and they're still doing it even to this day. It's really? They still go to, to camp. As far as I know, they may have changed a little bit, but they they did it long after I've been gone. They're for a decade now. So It's fantastic. Love it. Um, I'm just, I'm sort of kind of just giving, we're, I'm, I'm, we're doing history here. What, uh, so tell me about your, the theolo- your theological, where do you land theologically? Uh, that's a good question. Um, depends on the day. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty resolved in a lot of uh, things theologically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some days I think it's uh, uh, the practical side of theology just de- depends on the day. So I'm fairly reformed for the most part, I would think. And uh, um, some days I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm all in on one direction and some days <laughs> I'm not. So it just kind of depends. And, it's good. But uh, fairly reformed is how I do. I need to get a shirt that just says fairly reformed. Fairly reformed. <laughs> and, uh, and I've just found out literally before we started recording that you and I are going to be at the same event with Steve Lawson in August. Preaching um, conference, yeah. Preaching He's fairly reformed. Yeah, fairly reformed. Yeah, he, he, is, <laughs> he is mostly... <laughs> he, he is fairly reformed, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so that'll be... I'm looking, really looking forward to that. And I did not know you were going, so we're going to get to spend the weekend together in August. So yeah. yay! It will be a blast. Yeah. Um, trying to figure out what the heck I'm doing. Preaching was. That's yeah, okay, so that's where I wanted to go to. So you've done, you did student ministry for how many years? 20. 20 years of student ministry, um, and you started, so where are you at now? You're at? Eastwood Baptist Church. Eastwood Baptist Church. So you're in Bowling, just, just right across, over the border from Nashville? Yeah, 45 minutes north. <clears throat> and you started there as a student pastor for one of the campuses, correct? Yeah, we have two campuses, and so um, after I moved from Alabama, I moved to, to uh, Kentucky, to Owensboro, Kentucky, and served as youth guy and did some was a missions pastor for a stint and college pastor as well, and and then moved to Bowling Green to serve as their worship pastor and student pastor on the campus. And then after about eighteen months, the guy who was leading all of the youth ministry for Eastwood for our two campuses that we have um, left, and then I assumed all of the student ministry roles. So what was supposed to be transitioning out of student ministry after fifteen <laughs> years uh, into worship ministry or something different? I was kind of burnt out. I ended up getting wheeled back into it and uh, ended up leading uh, the both campuses' student ministry. We call it global position. There's a global position. So I led student ministry for Eastwood um, up until September of last year when I transitioned from worship and youth uh, to uh, campus pastor at the campus that I was serving at. So, so now you're campus pastor at the at the Eastwood one of the Eastwood campuses. Oh, yeah. So you're preaching twice a Sunday and then once on Wednesdays, right? Most of the time, yeah. Okay. So that, what I mean, so that obviously you, you taught on Wednesday nights for students, but how does this? What's the what's what's it feel like? And what, what is the major difference and shift from doing student ministry now to pastoring? Uh, for the whole, know, to think, the whole church. I think student ministry, is, you know, equips. You know, it, it was a good equipper for me. Um, in a lot of areas, there's there's a lot of differences between the two. Um, probably the I, I don't know. I think the biggest difference um, for for me has been the weight of um, the weight that preaching weekly has upon uh, on pastors. Yeah. And, I remember being a youth pastor, and, and I'm a pretty detailed guy, and I plan out quite a bit. And yep. I want to be, uh, I want to I do everything I do well. And, and But I remember just hearing some pastors who are, who, are rap, who, are, who are either starting or wrapping up sermons on Sunday mornings and just rolling my eyes and going, why in the world? Like, this is really all you get paid to do. I mean, I was yeah. highly judgmental in that. Sure. Uh, and... You know, as a youth guy, and really as just a young guy, and you just sit there and think, man, I'm, you know, I would do it differently. And then you sit in the seat, mm-hmm. and then you're like, oh, okay, it's a Saturday night. And I'm finishing up my sermon because we had funerals to do. Yeah. We had all these things that just pop up in the middle of the week, people that are vying for your time. One of the yep. things that we've 
you know, that I've had to deal with is, um, there's this, this phrase that we use all the time, it's called tyranny of the urgent. Everybody's issues are urgent, mm. you know, um, and so it's just, there's this weight of urgency that people place upon you. I mean, it could be the smallest little thing, but to that person, it's the most important thing in the world, and you have to kind of drop everything and attend to that need and pastor that. And I love pastoring. Sure. It's my favorite part. Doing the, the shepherding side the of things? The shepherding side is my favorite part of yeah. the ministry. Um, but, you know, you have to decide quickly what deserves your attention and what does not. And so that's been the hardest shift for me is this, there's, there's a lot more weight in um, pastoral ministry, really, in just in general, than student ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, but the weight that the, the preaching side of it just really want to take that seriously, I guess, sure. in the way that that holds um, within ministry. And so uh, I have a lot more compassion for pastors who are finishing up their sermons five minutes before they get to the platform <laughs> because I find myself doing it. Like, I'm, I'm re- I'm re- I'm, I'm, I've already got all the contents there. Yep. And Saturday you, you, night, I'm trying to, you know, really try to refine it. And yep. then Sunday morning, I'm sitting there reading through it again and going, oh, I don't really like that. <laughs> you know, and, and, and so... And then, and then the, the Lord doing that work in your mind too of, of maybe just placing these little things in your mind, even within, even within the, the, the preaching of it, and yeah. you know, and so it's it's a lot, and so I have a lot more grace. Sure. Uh, and I do think some pastors definitely take advantage of that, and they don't they don't prepare um, like they should. Um, but nonetheless, I, I do have a lot more more grace for that. Bivocational guys like yourself, like it's. You got things going on, like it's it's really really a difficult thing to do, and it's, um, be, yeah, it's a different. And I've only been doing it for uh, October will be four years, because mm-hmm. um, before that I was just helping dad. I mean, I, I did men's stuff, and occasionally I would travel and, you know, like coming to your place and preach for a weekend or whatever. And and now, I, I do love the study. I do love the prep. I'm a big fan of that, and and, and pastor. Like I heard Michael Todd the other day say, "I hate getting, I hate doing sermon prep." I'm like, "Then why are you doing? Mm. Like, what in the world? I just look, he's got issues, but that's just." Well, I remember when we had a, we had a little difficult season at our church this time last year, and uh, um, I remember we 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 had lost our, our pastor moved, and mm-hmm. and there was just a little bit of unrest. That's kind of anybody any transition. Sure. a little bit of unrest there, and so we were sitting. Um, uh, or not we, I was having, I was the only uh, full-time person on staff at my campus at the time. Yep. So having to sit there and have these conversations with people who were really kind of disgruntled and, and, and sad by what was going on just in the life of our church. And I remember spending all summer long. I don't think I ate lunch with my wife once that summer because of all these people that I was meeting with. And yeah. I think the Lord, I, I knew back in the fall or in the spring of last year that um, I was transitioning out of student ministry. Um, yep. And I knew that was coming. Uh, I knew I, my kids are in student ministry, and I always wanted to be my youth, my kids' youth pastor. And, and then, but I, I, I realized pretty quickly um, in, into the spring of last year that my time was coming to an end. Like they needed somebody who was going to treat them like a student, and not somebody who was going to treat them like a like a, a, sure. a child. Yeah. And so, um, and so I knew that was coming. Didn't know what that was going to look like. But then spending that summer really dealing with our folks and, and walking with them and, and trying to help them through this transition, and it was it was some. Some drama that kind of went along with that as well. But sure. Just dealing with that, and uh, I remember being asked three different occasions if I would consider being the pastor of that campus. And I remember saying, "This is a terrible idea." <laughs> and I told uh, we have a personnel committee, and she, the, the the head of the committee came to me, and she, she asked me, "said well, What do you think about you know putting your resume in for the for the pastor?" It's like this is a terrible idea, and let me tell you why. <laughs> and so I went about. I sit there and I told her. You tried to sabotage it on purpose. I did. Yeah. I probably said three times I did. And every single time that I, I talk with somebody, including our, 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 we have a lead pastor at the other campus who, who oversees everything. But And when he came to me, he even asked me about it. And I was doing the same thing. And I can't remember exactly what all three of them were, but it was something along the lines of, uh, well, here's what it was like. I'm, I, I love being a number two guy. I don't have to be a number one guy. I like, sure. I like support roles. I'm a, yeah. If you're an Enneagram fan or somebody's going to burn me at the stake for, being, for going through that, but, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm a helper. That's what I am. I like to help yeah. people. I like for to help people sure. realize their dreams and stuff like that and, and, and what the Lord is doing and when yep. they get there. Like, that's what I am. So I'm a helper. I didn't want to be a, a first chair guy. Didn't want to be a first chair. I said, right. the second thing is, is like, I don't want to spend 40 hours a week, 20 hours a week, 10 hours a week with a sermon. Like, I like the pastoral ministry side. Yeah. I like helping people grow in their faith, but I do not want to spend all this time sure. just researching and, and, you know, 
just and I've got see, I'm a nerd. I, lo- I love that. I love the and research see, side of it. It's interesting. And see, I, I just, I was just like, I don't want to do that. I yeah. don't want to spend all this time doing that, pulled up, uh, and, and I was being out and about, anyways. So I was just like, I just don't, I just don't want to do that. I don't want to. I know me. I'm efficient. I'm gonna get this down to two and a half hours a week, so I can get on the things that are more. Important. Sure. That's sure. exactly what I told him. And the third thing was that I don't do counseling. Like I just don't like to counsel. <laughs> Like, I don't want to do... And so I was really, like, up front with them and saying, hey, listen, this is a terrible idea. This is a horrible idea. idea. Don't... Like, I, you're, what, you're going to ask me to do things that I just do not Your want counseling to could be a glue. Glo- you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, my, my favorite counseling advice is, is, is basically, you know, uh, everything happens for a reason, and yeah. the reason is you're a moron and you make bad decisions. <laughs> that, is my, that is kind of my favorite <laughs> counseling thing there. It's a long story short. Uh, our lead pastor asked me to, to, to do it. I tell him all these same things. of like, this is a bad idea. Yeah. Um, uh, we were looking for another position at our church as well. And I told him, well, I'd rather do that position than yeah. this one. And, uh, uh, you know, and it's, it's a hard, hard position. It was an administrative pastor dealing with committees and yeah. hiring and firing of people. And I just, it's just behind the scenes. I don't really care for platform ministries. A lot of things, I just don't care to be uh, in any of those positions anyway. Uh, so I told him, I said, well, I'll pray about it in a week. And I knew leaving that, I knew leaving that meeting that, and I, I went home and I told my wife and, and we talked about it. We prayed about it for a week. So I'll pray yep. for a week and let you know after vacation. And so and that, time, you came here. I came here. And we talked yeah. about it yeah. at, over dinner. And that's what I, and you were like, I think I'm going to take this thing. And I was yeah, like, I think, ah. I think we're just going to give him our resume and go from there. And just sure. see what happens. And, and so, and, yeah. yeah. And so then, uh. uh October. You, uh. Well, September 11th. So September 11th was my, my hire date. At Eastwood, when I came on, okay. and then that, that same day is the day in which they um, they voted to call me as pastor of that that place, and so, uh, but that was after serving at Eastwood for five years, and so I had this five year. So now you now you're with five years of the campus pastor. <laughs> five years campus pastor, and everybody knows that I'm going to need something else to do. I get kind of bored. <laughs> and so I need, it's like you're riddled with ADD. I don't know. I, I, like I do. I get. I don't know. I like I don't know. Like trying things. Like you know. I like doing a bunch of different things and so I need something that you know but, but here's the interesting thing about the, the pastoring thing too is is yes it was a five year transition it was something different it was another you know opportunity that the Lord has laid there yeah. you know, which has been which has been really really phenomenal and, and to be honest with you all the things that I hated or said I was going to hate to do I have done more of love it and I mean I've counseled more people <laughs> in the nine months ten months that I've been doing this than I did in 20 you know, 20 and a half years. Are so you saying the Lord's history. got a sense of humor? Oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> and, and I've actually enjoyed it. Like, it's been fun. The The preaching side of it, there's yeah. a creative aspect to it as oh. well. That I'm, I'm still not good at it. I'm, I'm really trying hard because I want to be very competent in that for our people that deserve that. That was another thing I said to him. I was like, our people deserve somebody who wants to do this job or who wants to preach the word and, and to study it and to find out, like, they deserve better than what I'm willing to give them. Just, like, I was trying to just say, this is a terrible idea. Just fire me now. Yeah, give me anything else to do. Give me the janitor. Really I'll, I'll go clean the toilets. Yeah, just don't let me do that. And then, but it's been pretty amazing. Like, um, I have really enjoyed every aspect of it. Um, I don't, I still don't care to be on the platform, but um, I just, I don't know. I've enjoyed every bit of it. It is weird. Um, it, it is it is very weird to have, having been a youth pastor. Nobody comes to you as a youth pastor trying to fix problems. Yeah. I think the biggest the biggest change for me has not been so much the things that I didn't want to do. I mean, I'm having to learn. I spend a lot more time sermon prepping um, than than I really want to, and that's not a negative thing. I it just I'm just really slow at it. Sure. Like it just takes. I mean, you you got to flex that muscle. I do, and I'm having to learn to yeah, do it. Work it so out. Every week it gets a little bit better, and it's just, and yep. so I'm excited about that. But I think the, the biggest thing is is just you know handling all of the um, the things that just the, the issues that pop up spontaneously that people want to do because every, again everything is urgent to them. Yeah, sure. Right, and so you know we're a small church. We have two full time staff. We have about 250 people that come and, and, at our campus, but. You know, if there's an issue with a TV in a room, yeah, it's urgent, and I have to go deal with that. So it could be in the middle of worship. We're singing songs, and I'm preaching in two songs. And somebody comes to me and says, hey, the TVs aren't working out here, and I've got to go out and go get the TVs working. Like, there's, right. there's just all these urgent things that happen. And so um, just there was one day when nobody came to me for anything, and then they vote. And next thing you know, it's the all, next day, they're it's all over the place. Everything. And so that's been the, probably the biggest um, transition has been in that it's just been 
you know, trying to, to you know, get used to the pace of, of the job as well. The first, the first uh, eight months, um, I was never home and uh, missed the first thing. I've never missed anything my kids have done yeah. in, since I've had children. Right. And, uh, and, now, and now you have? I've missed one thing, and I was like, this is never going to happen again. I went to a meeting that should have been an email, and I was yeah. with it. And so I was just like, I'm never doing this again. Sure. And so That's, that's um, another aspect of ministry is we have kids, and I know some pastors, some student pastors, who have set their own children aside okay. because they're quote unquote ministering to the flock yeah. and they're ignoring the, the flock that they're in their own home. Yeah. Speak to that. Yeah, we've got, I mean, you've seen it just in, in ministry growing up that that do, minister, ministers sacrifice their family on the altar of ministry. And it, it, yeah. is, uh, it is tragic. Um, see kids who, uh, who's, who's, Dad is, is faithful to the church, but he, the kids hate the church because they basically literally, stolen them from. I just yeah. had so I literally just had a guy tell me last night. Uh, I did a video uh, meeting, and he just like you know, I, I grew up this. I grew up in a church where I hated it, and now he's I'm like he's not connected really into a church, and so I. I've always been that guy that I'm going to be nervous that my my kids are going to hate the church because I'm in it. And I, but I, I know I never had that experience. Even though we, Dad was a bivocational pastor of a small church my entire life, yeah. I don't hate the church. I'm I'm a church guy. I love the church, and so I'm hoping I, I pass that on to my own children. And I, I mean I know that your, all kids are different. Yeah, um, but, but you want to do your best and give them a reason. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know. I remember when we started having a family, um, you know, when we, we were married five years, had served in a church, you know, five years in, in Arkansas before we had our first girl, Abby. Mm-hmm. And uh, How old is Abby now? She's 17. Holy cow, she's 17. Yeah, Dude, so, you're old. I mean, no. <laughs> but I remember just every every night of the week, Bev and I just running out and doing stuff in ministry. Yep. And as soon as we had that kid, things changed. And I remember quickly... Mm-hmm. This was in Alabama. We had Abby. Abby was like uh, eight months old when we moved to Alabama. We moved to Alabama. I made a commitment to, to our family that I wasn't going to be uh, away from them uh, more than three nights a week. Okay. So I said, I'm going to give the church three nights. Yeah. And then I'm going to have my family the other four nights. Okay. And so that gave us Sunday nights and Wednesday nights were church nights. I'd give the church one other night. But if I gave the church four nights... Then I felt like I was sacrificing my family time for sure. the church. Sure. And so now that's that's generally, but sometimes I mean, camp's different. You know, there are certain things that just pop up. But yeah, and in oh, in camp, I always remember your kids being at camp. They always came to camp. They my always came with everything. you. Yeah. And in our ministry too, we always allowed families to attend our stuff. So anytime if we went bowling, we sacrificed budget money, you know, to to allow families to come. Um, to come bowling as well, and we would allow the families to participate. So yeah. we wanted it to be family ministry and, and to, for for all of us to be able to attend. I did not want my kids hating ministry because their dad did it. So we did everything. Because how many how many pastors hate, or how many pastors' kids hate the church because their dads have just poured oh, yeah. everything into it? And you, there's so many yeah. conversations of PKs that I've had that, but I mean, I just. I don't want to be that kind of dad. My dad wasn't that kind of dad, and it sounds like you don't want to be. It sounds like, I mean, I don't think your kids hate church. I mean, I've no, I mean, I've been I've hung out with them. There are several days times. in which they do. But sure, it's just kids. It's right? just kids, I mean, right? There are days. I mean, I think we're honest. There are days we wake up and we're like, man, I just I'm going to power through today because you know it's what the Lord has called me to do. And some days you just yeah. have days, but yeah, uh, but yeah, that's there's zero. This I want my kids. I mean, I've taken kids to my kids to hospital visits. We've gone hospital visits, and those are always sweet because. They expect me to come. People in the hospital expect me to be there as the pastor. But yeah. then when they see my kid rolling in there too, they're way more excited to see my kid. Oh, yeah, 100%. And um, our kids just to be a, get to be a part of ministry and involved in ministry. So we take them everywhere. We've taken our kids um, mission trips internationally before just so they can participate in those things. Because, yep. again, um, we want our kids but it, to, we want our kids to be beside us and, and serving with us. And see those things. A financial commitment too when you do that. Mm-hmm. So when we would take our kids to camp, uh, our, we would pay for all of our kids to go to camp. A lot of pastors, I think, also feel like expect their kids to get to go free. free. It's like, okay, hey, listen, this is a perk. What's on the perk? Like, 
you're, you know, for me, I always look at it as, you know, we're gonna we're gonna pay for our kids to go. So when we would go to youth camp, um, you know, we would pay for all of our kids to go, even though three of them at the time were in youth camp or four of them at the time. We just mm-hmm. paid for them to go because we wanted our kids beside us. Hundred um, percent. And serving alongside of us and seeing what we do and enjoying the church, and so uh, it was just a priority for us uh, to do those things. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, okay, so favorite favorite theology. Teachers, preachers. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I'll use I'll use uh, everybody's favorite preacher. I think uh, my favorite preacher of all time is probably Spurgeon. Okay. Um, uh, Spurgeon. Okay. Yeah, Spurgeon is great. Um. I'm probably the worst guy in the world, worst pastor in the world. I don't listen to a ton of preachers, only because um, I feel like I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing. I'm trying to listen to guys, but I don't know. I, I, and I know I need to, but um, I really enjoyed. Here's a guy I really enjoyed recently. So went to a the, the basics conference in Cleveland. <laughs> um, so I've really recently. Um, I've, I've known Alistair Begg and none of his work. And really Alistair like Begg, he's the Scottish. Yeah, he's great. Uh, and one of the things I really appreciated him having been in the same room with him at the pastors' conference is he's just a real dude. Yeah. Like I don't want I don't want to be a, around a pastor who's not the same on the platform as he is in uh, you know just in a hospital room. I want sure. the same guy, and I, I try to be that as well. But Alistair Begg just was a chill dude. It was great from the platform. Had you know uh, obviously theologically and. and from a uh, um, a competent standpoint, he's incredible in yeah. that regard. So I really appreciated him. But he also had at this conference he had um, uh, Dr. Herschel York. Ah. Uh, and so Dr. York is a preaching professor at Southern, which is in Kentucky, just mm-hmm. up the road from where I am. Uh, so from, very familiar with him. But he, uh, I really, I've never heard him preach before. Uh, Herschel. Herschel. Okay. Yeah, sorry. And, Never heard him preach before in any in any <clears throat> platform any. Uh, at all, whether it was on Facebook or anything. I never heard yeah. it at all. Uh, but my wife had attended a, a conference with his wife one time where she taught, and, and she really liked him. My, one of the guys that I discipled at First Owensboro um, is his assistant, um, and uh, so I knew him a little bit uh, and heard of his name, but never heard him preach. But I really enjoyed. Um, I really enjoyed him, and so he's got a preaching book that I've slowly working through. Uh, yep. Uh, that I've really enjoyed that. Just really enjoyed like the content. It was great. Nothing to worry about. But but also just the the candor and again how the dude is on the platform and just his presence on the platform. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't a show. You know, I didn't. You know, he just preached the Bible and. and nice. Uh, I was grateful for that for sure, and uh, so he's he's probably the one I'm uh, doing now. One of the guys that I, I've heard recently too is Dr. David Allen. He's at mm-hmm. I believe he's at uh, is it Midwestern okay. Theological Seminary, um, and he. Um, I love that you're you're not pulling the the normal um, the normal things. Uh, I think there's there's some influence too. Like, I mean. We can we can go back twenty years and talk about that stuff, but there are some guys like I mean Matt Chandler influenced oh, yeah. um, a lot as well. Um, uh, David Platt has influenced yeah. me a ton sure. as well. Back 15, 20 years ago, ran across this dude named Mark Driscoll <laughs> who had dude. a ton of influence in my life early on. So what's funny? I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this is this is both of us when two people have ADD and do a podcast and there's no notes. <laughs> I remember the year that you applied to be a student pastor yeah, at Mars Hill. I did. You sent your resume in to be a, and you. Well, yeah, I did. That are because are I you glad this, you didn't get that? Yeah, I, I, well, I sent it in because I had this dude, uh, a friend of mine named Caleb, sent this link through and said, "Hey, you need to check this out." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, I knew the Lord was 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 moving and, and doing something in my life at that point. I knew my my time has finished in, in ministry. I've always been like a builder guy." Yeah. Kind of go into these places that don't have anything. I kind of build it up, and I really want to hand it off to somebody who can who sure. can take it right. So I've always kind of been in these places that have 
that needs a little bit of help. You like challenges and build things, and yeah, yeah. I like I like to like doing that stuff. And then I, I want to be able to hand off to somebody who can take that foundation and then do something better with it. I'm, I'm not going to be in a place for forever. Although I do hope my current situation, I'm here longer than I am. Yeah, that I have been. But yeah, so I, yeah, he texted me and said, "Hey, check this out." Uh, they <laughs> it on Twitter, and so uh, I did. I knew at that point that the Lord was doing something. And I was like, "Why not?" Like. Give it a go. See what happens. And so I did. I got my resume together in a couple of days, and I actually submitted it. Because it was actually, a, it, it wasn't a, in the trenches job. I was trying. Yeah. I was thinking I was going to be done with it in the trenches. And it was an oversight management of yeah. five different campuses. Yeah. And so I was like, that might be something that, that I would be interested in doing. Doing something different. And, and you so, live in Seattle. And I, yeah. And so it was just different, <laughs> you know, and we like to move, and so it'd be fun. And so, yeah, I got it. I sent it in there. I didn't hear anything. But a week after I sent that in, I got a call from the church in Owensboro, Kentucky. And uh, the, the pastor there asked me, you know, if you got a resume, you know, just send it to me. And I was like, well, as a matter of fact, I just did it last week because I, I had gotten ready for that. Just as, and so I was able to send him that resume. But there is nothing. There, I mean, I'm, I don't really apply for jobs yeah. uh, ever as well. That was one that I applied for, and I am so glad I did not get it. it was, <laughs> that would have been a dumpster fire. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. And I hated that. I mean, I, I did. I mean, you know, for all that, that Driscoll is, and, and I don't want to, I'm not going to cut anybody's legs out from under them. We can have our disagreements, and I'm not going to yeah. disparage anybody um, as well. But uh, regardless of, of what happened in his ministry and even what his ministry is today, he had a, a, a ton of influence on people. Sure. He, he a, influenced me. Yeah, he was, yeah. I, I, one of the things, and I think you see, you'll see this even more now culturally um, as well, is the rise of, of masculinity and these, these men that are on Facebook and, and TikTok and whatever, the, um, and Twitter, these guys who are, are attracting this following because they're masculine men, whether that's, Tate Sella, yeah. you know, whatever. Andrew Tate, yeah. Right, Andrew Tate. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of guys in that, you know, even Jordan Peterson to, a, to an extent. To an extent, He's sure. not, you know, he's nothing like Tate. Um, um, I think we have to be weary of, of all things. But, sure, but sure. But Driscoll was, had, had taken, you know, these aspects, uh, these of, that. aspects mm-hmm. of manliness, and which I really felt like I needed. I was not being yeah. challenged as a man at the yep. time. Yep. And, uh, and so he was really calling men to be men. He and, was. For me, I was like, man, this it just resonated with me, and so it changed. It did me too. And uh, you know, I remember finding out that dude was a Calvinist because I thought Calvinist was a four-letter word for the longest time. Right? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I was like, wait a second, these and, guys are wait, Calvin, and that's exactly. And then I was like, wait, okay, that's not what I thought. And so then I began to then at that point, it kind of ushered me into theology, which I'm grateful for. I love theology; it's yep. one of my favorite things to read. And so begin to read. Um, with theology, and then get get settled on my own theology and what I believe uh, sure. in Scripture, and and one of my things I appreciated about you know about Driscoll was you know he was uh, that really kind of settled with me in the whole free will uh, predestination argument was the uh, you know whether you say I got saved or God saved you, who cares, right? Yeah. And so for me, I was like, oh. This doesn't have to be a divisive issue. This is an issue that we can talk about over a dinner table and have a good time. Yeah. Right? And the, the world, and especially the world that I live in, the Southern Baptist world, um, you know, it, it becomes a divisive issue rather than just, hey, um, let's just let's just share the gospel, you know. And, and so, uh, you know, I, I would appreciate Spurgeon. He said, and I'll paraphrase, you know, that, and, you know, until God gives me the book of the elect, I'm going to preach the whosoever to, to whoever, right? So yeah. that's what we want to do. We want to preach the gospel to everybody. Everybody. We don't know who, you know. If there had been a mark on the back of their, I'd preach to them alone, but since there's right. not, I've preached to everyone. Preach to everyone. Yeah, that's so, been my, my stance. Yeah, there are days in which I feel like I'm a, I'm a Calvinist. So I look at that person and you are definitely not called. <laughs> whatever. But, you know, we want to preach to, to, to the whosoever. And, yeah. And that's what we... That's what we do. It's important. I think it's I think it's ginormously important um, to to do those things. So, but yeah, it's funny that you because well, you and I both had a moment in our in the mid two thousands when we were just um, I, I loved couldn't get enough of Chandler or Driscoll. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I just went to a couple different conferences where yeah, Chandler was preaching uh, John Piper was preaching went to the yeah. went to the went to the Langer conference all, I mean I was all in on that stuff and so it was it was very it it did I, I mean I, in the early 2000s dad introduced me to Johnny Mac yeah. and so I had 
my feet wet in the in the Reformed theology camp with Johnny Mac, and then he hands me um, the Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul and oh, yeah. just completely blew my mind. Yeah, that was a transformative <clears throat> for me as well. I read that um, probably early two thousands. Yeah. Um, as well, and it, yeah, I mean, those guys, and, and I read a lot more Reformed people. Yeah. Um, like I said, I'm I think I'm fairly Reformed, but um, the thing that I really appreciate about Reformed theology and the Reformed movement or whatever um, is the uh, uh, the high regard that they have for Scripture. Yep. Like I, I can pick up any. I feel like I can pick up any book by anybody who's Reformed yep. and know Trust that they're going to have they're going to have the Bible. They're going to hold it in high regard. Yep. And so, uh, and so I typically end up reading a lot more. And I do feel like too that I'm not I'm not the smartest guy in the world, <laughs> but I do feel like I can I can read something and go, okay, I don't agree with that, and sure. and be okay. Right? Yeah. It's not like okay, I'm not where, I'm not where you're at. And so, um, uh, so yeah, it, it's one of the things I do appreciate. And so, you know, I'm fairly reformed, probably just by osmosis and just reading and having yeah. a bunch of more reformed people in my in your world. In yeah, your but, camp. but here's a guy who was saved at Billy Graham crusade. Like yeah. it's like Billy Graham had a huge impact on my life and the crusade that came through Bartlesville. You know, I remember that in, in the late 1990s. I was, you know, I, was I was at, ago, I was there. I was at yeah. that event. It was great, and it, it transformed my life. I was actually at the uh, Southern Baptist Convention in New Orleans a few weeks ago, and uh, I guess it's well, come up on a couple months now, and uh, talked with the Billy Graham guys, and they, you know, I've always like I've always wanted to know who preached it. Like I remember the Big Tent Revival was there as the yep, band, the band, know? yep. And I remember that, that. Yeah. And but I can't remember who the preacher was. I and mean, he's like, well, we have this archive center. Of course, I live in Kentucky, which isn't but four hours from where Billy Graham. Maybe four and a half hours from, from Charlotte, where all that whole stuff is. So I can go over there and look. I'm, I'm planning to go do that. Yeah, they just, I don't know, like Billy Graham was not a reformed guy, you know, but uh, maybe he was. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I don't think he was, but he, he was very, but he, but, uh, but, he, but, he pre, but he had a desire to see people saved. Yeah. So that's, but, I think, but I think, too, if you're, reformed, if you're a reformed preacher, you should have that same desire. Like, you preach the gospel because yeah. you're going to preach the gospel. And, and I've, got, I've had so many arguments. Not really, I shouldn't say arguments; it's not the right word. But had conversations about people who are against reformed theology. Sure. And um, oh, I've, yeah, I have, I've had plenty. Yeah, and, and it has a lot to do with the the sal- salvation, you know, of, of the whosoever's and stuff. And I remember this one guy was tell, telling me about it. He was just like, "Well, you, you know, I just can't respect anybody who's a, you know, who's a Calvinist." And uh, he looked at uh, it as a four letter word. He looked at it as a four letter word, and his his thing was hyper Calvinism. You know, he's like, well, oh, they, just yeah. don't, they don't. They don't, uh, they don't think in evangelism. They're not going to evangelize people. And I remember just sitting there saying to this guy, too, and I was like, listen, I agree, man. If, if, uh, if a Calvinist is not you know, evangelizing, then they're not a they, they, Calvinist. They're not. First of all, I said, but let me ask, can I ask you a question? And he was like, yeah. I was like, uh, you're not a Calvinist. He said, no, I'm not. And I said, well, how many people have you shared the gospel with this week? <laughs> and he said, well, I have this week. Well, when was the last time you won somebody to the Lord? And he was... And he's like, well, it's, it's been a while. I said, so you're telling me that as, a, as an Armenian guy, not sharing the gospel, you know, that uh, what you're doing is being obedient to God's, to, to what the Lord has called you to do. Because yeah. you're, you to tell who, whosoever, but you haven't told anybody. Right. Whereas the, the Calvinists that you're getting onto and having an issue with, um, because they don't share the gospel, you're talking about hyper-Calvinism in the first place, but... They're actually living their convictions. Yeah, so, no, no doubt. And I, so I told the guy, and, and we were pretty close, and I said, so I actually have a greater respect for the hyper-Calvinist who's actually doing what he believes than, than the Armenian guy who believes that whosoever is not out there sharing the gospel. I said, if you're a, a good Calvinist, um, and again, I'm not. I wouldn't say that I am. But uh, a good Calvinist is going to tell people about Jesus. You know, and so... Yeah, that was a fun little conversation to have as well. Um, but if we if we we're going to say we believe one particular thing, we should we should we should live that thing. Yeah, no we doubt. So my Arminian friends and have a lot of them. We have a lot of them here in Barnesville with Oklahoma Wesleyan, and we've got some like great friends that I grew up with in high school. Saw one at the coffee shop yesterday, and and um, you know they they share the gospel. Why? Because. They're good little convictions. Share the gospel. With Absolutely. As, and, I've got, and I live in, I live in the, the heart of Calvinist country. I'm in Bowling Green, Kentucky. <laughs> Southern Seminary, just up the road, which is the, you know, yeah. 
uh, the reform, Cap- reform school of, of, of Kentucky. the SBC world. And, yeah. um, you know, the, our reformed friends, you know, need to share the gospel. And I, I, I served under a pastor who was a Calvinist, and, uh, but he was a gospel-sharing Calvinist. Well, and that's, if you're a genuinely true reformed guy, you're going to share the gospel because you know the, the victory's already been won. God's already going to get them. I, man, I just want in. I want to yeah. be a part of that. I want to be part of the. I want to be the guy that God uses to get the next guy. Yeah. And so I, I know God's gonna get him, but I want to be involved. Absolutely. I want to be a part of it. And so let's let's, yeah. let's and we're the, go. And we're the tool that He uses to do that. That's so it. Why? Yeah. He said, uh, Jesus said, "Go therefore and make disciples." Okay, cool. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go do that. I'm gonna try to share the gospel with somebody. I mean, I always have a personal goal to to, to win at least one person a year. It's just, sure. my, it's just my purse just start yeah. small but most of the time it's more than that yeah. uh, I have one goal of one reach one each year but that doesn't mean that doesn't say well I've reached one I'm done that means right. I'm going to keep going yeah we, we started this thing uh, when I was in Alabama uh, with our student ministry we called it pick one yeah. and um, the idea was basically I think I want to say it was back in the 50s I think it was about the 50s or maybe it was the 60s I want to say it was uh, 54 so Southern Baptist had this this slogan called said a million more in '54, if I remember <laughs> right. And their goal was to reach a million people for for the gospel that year. Sure. And so the way that they wanted to do that, and this the Southern Baptist re- recently has, has done this, and um, uh, each they had this phrase now, each one reach one. Yeah. And so that was kind of our goal. Um, this is before the SBC brought that out. Uh, this is back in 2008. Uh, 2009. Yep. We had the, we did this thing called pick one, and it was basically like each one reach one. We wanted our students to to be to find one person who was far from God, to be praying for them, and to make a commitment to share the gospel with them over the course of the school year. Because we sure. did student ministry, and uh, we ended up adopting that for for the entire church as well one year. And uh, it's really incredible that the the students actually. It, this is going to sound. I don't want to sound like it's a competition at all, but the students outperformed. The adults when it came to sharing the gospel yeah. they would they would have their friend they're praying for this friend we use guitar picks and we'd have different stages different colors of guitar picks and they would always you know if they advanced in a particular stage with sharing the gospel with their friend they would hang a guitar pick on they had a little hook in our room and we would hang these guitar picks up and they always have one on their on their keys i've got one of my keys as well still to this day to remind me to be praying for my one and so everyone had a one and yeah. so once they if they won that one w-o-n that o-n-e that one yeah. to yep. the lord then they would pick another one. That's sure. That's how it. This kind of how the whole thing went. And so you would win that person to the Lord, and you would share the gospel with that person. That was your goal: was to share the gospel. It was never really to see them. The, the the hope was that they would come to faith in Christ. But your responsibility was to share the gospel, and hoping that the Lord would, uh, the Holy Spirit would be about um, the work there of sharing the gospel. And that person come to faith in Christ. And so uh, our goal was to get our students comfortable with sharing the gospel. And, and, uh, and we took that everywhere we went. We took it from uh, from Alabama to Owensboro to Bowling Green. And, and we'll eventually, um, I'm thinking now about even rebranding a little bit more for adults. Pick one's great for kids, and it may work great for adults as well. But just really trying to encourage our uh, family, uh, church family, to uh, to share the gospel. Yep. And so um, we're a little ways away out from that now. But we, we've been doing that in our church the last couple of years where we, you know, I'm trying to encourage adults, listen, Bring one in. We've got a couple guys that have been bringing, and in fact, I just baptized uh, a guy about a month and a half ago. Uh, that his, he, you know, his buddy brought him, and yeah. he's and so he's and he's brought his wife and his, their two kids, and and so just to see them flourishing yeah. now, and just it's it's fast, it's awesome. Yeah. So, cool. yeah, that's a fantastic deal, and we, man, I love that that you're you're doing that. Um, sports teams. Favorite sports team, plural. All genres. I don't care. All genre. Well, easily. Because I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm not a. <laughs> I'm not a sports guy. Yeah, I, I've actually, when I was growing up, like sports was a big deal. Um, then I had a family. Um, we don't have TV at our house. We're weird. We have streaming services. We yes, don't so really we. watch any sports at all ever. Yeah, we don't either. Um, We've I've got, got an antenna. Like at my house, of course, in Bowling Green, I've got sixty channels on this antenna. About yeah. so, if I spoke Spanish, I would I would understand about thirty <laughs> of those channels. But um, we don't watch a ton of TV and uh, and the like. But 
Yep. I grew up an OU fan, and so I still cheer for OU, but I don't even pay attention to what's going on. I couldn't tell you, yeah. you know, who our quarterback is or anything like that. But And I'm a nervous watcher, so even when the games are on TV, I turn it off about halftime, and, and it, I just can't watch it. It drives me crazy. Um, but then, I don't know, sports teams. Uh, grew up here in Bartlesville, so Dallas Cowboys are probably my you hear Cowboys? Seriously? Yeah. Cowboys? Yeah. Really? My, I had no idea. My grandparents were Cowboys fans. Okay. okay. And so uh, we did that. Um, uh, I hate the New York Yankees. <laughs> passion. And so in college, I adopted the Boston Red Sox as a, as, a, as my team. And so I've uh, been a Red Sox fan ever since. Which is funny. I, I like the Red Sox as well, but there's only one reason I like it. I like their hats. That's, that's it. Are, that's it. There's no other reason. I have. Amazing, no, I couldn't great. tell you who plays on the team. I just like their hats. Yeah, yeah. They're that's great. it. And I, it's again. I, I honestly, I couldn't tell you even now um, much about about sports. I'll do a fantasy football league with some some people in the church, and and sure. uh, other than that, I don't I don't do much. Um, I like sports. I like playing. I mean, it's fun. I just like the exercise of it. But um, I got a lot going on. Maybe one day I'll venture back into that space. But right now, I'm like, I feel like me and my wife have a lot more in common. My wife is like, yay, sports. I feel like right now it's kind of where I'm at, too. One of these, uh, we're going to have to have Jamie and Bev do a podcast because I think that would just be, that would be fantastic. I would love to hear those two get after it because they're they're two peas in a pot. And when they get together, it's ridiculous. Um, Okay, so you brought up your wife. How'd you meet her? You obviously college, but yeah, we met in college. Here's a here's a crazy story about us. So, her mom and dad, um, let's say they moved uh, from Arkansas uh, to Bartlesville, Oklahoma, in uh, I don't know in the in the late seventies, to work for Phillips Petroleum Company. Mm. And I did not know that. So she uh, she was born uh, August seventeenth, uh, nineteen eighty in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. I was born August 18th, 1979, in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Holy smoke. We had the same nurse, uh, labor and delivery nurse, in our pictures. My mother-in-law knew her by name. Are you kidding? looking at pictures. No. Uh, it's crazy. They actually, uh, uh, they grew up um, about five blocks from, uh, they were here for two years, from okay. 1980 to two. So you guys were in the same town for a season? For two years. Yeah, two years. Uh, they I can't believe you didn't know each other. Blocks. Gosh. We lived about five blocks from uh, Madison Middle School. Yeah. Over here. Yep. And so, uh, but no, never. They went to First Baptist, and we didn't go to church. We lived. We actually lived in Oshaleta uh, yeah. the first five years of my life here. And so, um, and so yeah. So they moved. He got transferred to Border, uh, Texas. That's where she grew up in Border, Texas. Yep. Long story short, um, I go to Oklahoma Baptist University. She goes to Oklahoma Baptist University. We meet each other our freshman year. But kind of had friends. We were never really did anything together, but our friends that we had had done some things together. Anyways, yep. Long story short, we ended up meeting. Um, we think we think we met at church one Sunday. We attended the same church. We don't actually ever remember saying hi. My name is Will. My name is yeah. Dad, whatever. Yeah. So, um, so we met there, um, and then uh, sophomore year, end of our sophomore year, we started dating, and uh, we ended up getting married um, our senior year, fall break. So we're coming up on twenty two years. And golly, you are old. I'm old, man. <laughs> I feel it too. I'll be 44 next month. Oh, I'll be 45 in November. Coming, buddy. Golly. Yeah. So. We're both talking. We were literally just talking about how we're having to get glasses. I, know. <laughs> I made it this long. I know I did. I was like the guy in the the, the ophthalmologist. I can't. Is that, what, is that is that my is that the right one? Yeah. So he's like. So tell me, I was like, I've never been to an eye I did eye tests in school but I've never been to an eye doctor I was like I've never needed to my eyes have been fine and I've been I was reading trying to read the other day and my eyes were jacked up and I didn't know what happened and he's like oh he's like no you've got some degenerative I'm like oh cool crud he's like well how old are you again I was like 44 he's like yeah 40 it all goes downhill and I'm like uh my trajectory started going downhill at 35 <laughs> <laughs> funny story that was maybe the only thing that anybody cares about um, whoever listens to this but my you know my wife will listen to this probably and uh, but uh, when I was 35 years old uh, that's when the old body started uh, taking it's uh, I don't know I guess hard living early on and doing a bunch of stuff uh, not hard living just 
Just not taking care of your Just body. doing dumb Their things. Knees, yeah. I'll Do dumb things. Off of houses. Ah. You know, and you're going, oh, look, I bet you I can jump off the house. I'm going to jump and I'm going to roll. This is before parkour was parkour, you know? <laughs> like, I'm going to tuck and roll. And, and then your body at 35, for me, was just like, okay, we've gone enough. This is like, far enough. Look. Like, let's see what we can break. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, blew up my collarbone um, at 35. And then from then on, is that, I mean, had. I think surgery on both my knees had them scoped. I think. Really? Yeah. To, I have to I, Actually, one one scope, torn meniscus, and then I'm gonna have to do it again. I think it's torn. The yeah. only broken bone I've ever had in my body was with you. That was a knee. The kneecap. <laughs> when I broke my kneecap skiing. And it's your fault. I blame you for that whole thing. You weren't even with me. You weren't even with me. You had left me, and I was on the. I was coming down the side of the bunny slope, and my knee just goes. Psh! Yeah. And it snapped and I rolled. And I remember that ski guy he sprays me with snow. He's like, hey, you okay, dude? No, I, no. Like, I dropped every curse word that could be dropped on a youth trip. And the youth pastor, you know, Matt Smith is over there going, ah. Uh. Did, did you use the churchy curse words? No, I used all the bad ones. I didn't use any church curse words. I used all the bad ones. And it was, I mean, I, just, I had to ask for forgiveness later because I was like, I'm sorry, Matt. I can't believe I talked that way. But the only broken bone I've ever had was with, was with you. That's great. I've had a lot. So no, you have. Broken a ton of crap. So. What people probably don't know is that you, you probably to still this day, you will straight pass out at the side of your own blood. I did. I've been close a couple times. You, you did with me. It, I've done it a lot. Yeah. I was at camp with you. I was preaching at that youth camp in, in Arkansas. Oh, yeah. And you, you decided oh, we need to open up, I don't remember. Water what, guns. Water I guns. I remember that. Like we it was, were, it was uh Big water cannons. Yeah. And you'd taken a knife and you were cutting it open and you slit your finger. I, st- I stabbed myself in between my thumb and my forefinger right in that little soft part. Yep. And the knife stuck out. And I was like, oh, this ain't good. And I pulled and you, it out. And, and I, you went, you went, like, you went, huh, and you... You went as white as a sheet. And I had to... Because you almost hit your head on the side of the counter. And I had to grab you. Yeah, I think it a lot... You know, I, I don't mind blood. I just don't want to see mine leave mine. my body. When mine leaves my body, my body says, all right, time to check out. Like, yeah. y'all can bleed out. I'll be like, all right, whatever. Yeah, if I bleed, you're you like, know, oh, you'll be yeah, fine. You, you need to get that fixed. Your brother's been dirty in it. If it's me, I'm like, oh, I'm out of here. And I did. I don't know why, but I still to this day. Uh, I did something the other day. I think I pulled the end of my pinky out uh-huh. a little bit. Just just kind of pulled it back. And I was like, ooh, I'm feeling kind of weird. So I went and sat down a bit. I had a... I went to the doctor today, and I was, uh, they had to do some whittling uh, on me, and they didn't have a, a it's funny, I go to this place, they didn't have a, uh, an operating room available, Yeah. and she's like, we're just going to do it in the, in, the, in, the, in the little patient room, and I'm like, alright, that's oh, cool, well, knock it out. And so, uh, you know, he told me to, just sit up, let me do this sitting up, and, and uh, <laughs> nope. so, and, then, nope. next thing, and he, he did, he, he, he put the numbing stuff in there, and I was like, ooh, I don't know about this. I'm not feeling it. It's getting hot in here. I started going to some 50 cent and uh, started trying to take out my clothes. Like, it's hot. It's hot. And uh, so I ended up, I told him, I said, I think I'm going to have to lay down. As soon as I laid down, I was good. He went, he went to work. But it was like, oh, my goodness. How about it was rough. But yeah, every time I do, every time I get blood drawn, they make me go sit down for 10 minutes, which I think is normal, but I think it's you just know me too well. That's fantastic. Um, well, I, have to, I have to preface everything. Just let you know if, if I see too much of my blood. Check <laughs> out. I'll let you know. I usually know it's coming. Obviously, I need to go sit down. But I'm bad. I'm bad. I'm bad. Yep. I'm out of here. I'm out. So, oh, dude. Well, cool. Man, this is this is 30 years of friendship right here. And I'm telling you, most, and this is the problem, I think, with most, with most men. Most men don't have friends like you and I. Like we were, oh, yeah. we're like if I needed if I needed you today, I know if I genuinely if something went down, I'd call oh, you sure. and be like, bro, I'm, this is what I need. And and same thing if you called me tomorrow and said, hey dude, here's what I need, I'd drop everything I need or everything I had. Be like, I'll be there in ten. Yeah, it's hard. Hours, man. not minutes. It'd be hours. Yeah. I think if you, if you can get if you're a dude <clears throat> and uh, you can you can have a friend. <clears throat> it, it does take work. It, it, it does. It, it, you know, there's, there's part of it too. You have, there's some vulnerability there to that mm-hmm. as well. But you have to just sit there and be like, okay, you know, this dude's gonna know that I'm not 
you know, off great all the time. No. And so you kind of have to listen. But and you don't have to agree on everything. Oh, yeah, no. Because I guarantee you, we don't agree on every single solitary thing. Now, we've got a lot of things we do agree upon. Sure. But no, we don't. But that's not. If I had to have somebody that agreed 110% with me all the time, I'd be a lonely dude. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's all right. If you can find friends and. Um, and I've got, you know, I've had really been fortunate over the last, you know, 22 years of ministry to have some good, you know, friends. Yeah. You know, but. You know, they're not, they're, but I, I feel like in any of the churches I've served in, even the guys that I made friendships with there, I could call in the day and, and we pick up like nothing was left off. And sure. Like, I mean, we just, where we left off and, yep. and had some opportunities to, to see those people. We just pick up and we talk and it's just like nothing ever changed. But, um, but to have, uh, you know, are, are those guys going to come to my funeral or to, right. if my, you know, to a funeral that, yep. I mean, that's, that's kind of the, you know, for me, it's always been like, okay, this guy's going to travel. Yeah. Or would I travel to theirs? Sure. You know, for that matter. Right? Sure. You know, am, I, am I sending flowers or am I yeah, shaking be there. hands when I get there? So. Yep, yep. And so, yeah, it is, you know, to, to find that, um, you know, no, it's fortunate. And, yeah, it, the world's, the world's, I, I think that that would change a lot of things in the church is if, because if you look at, you go to Branson and you're in Branson, you see those buses pull up, you don't see a bunch of old men getting out together. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. a bunch of white-haired old ladies because yeah. ladies have no problem getting together and having yeah. connections. Men, we, we have this mentality, or we believe the lie that we're you know, oh, we don't need we don't need people. We do. Yeah. Like God built us for community and built us for fellowship, and if we're not doing it with somebody that that is willing to, to bleed with us, yeah. minus your blood. So yeah, as long as you're sure it's not mine. <laughs> but if somebody's willing to go go the the, the distance with you. Uh, that's that's gonna that's gonna change your life. Yeah, I think for for men in general, definitely <clears throat> friendships are important, and we've been grateful to have ours for coming up on thirty years. And and um, you know, and, and there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of men over the last twenty years, twenty two years that I'm friendly with. Mm-hmm. Sure, me too. Know, but to have to have a a, a friendship uh, that is more than just you know. What'd you do this week? Type of deal sure, hundred percent. And I've got, you know, we've got some good friends where we are now. But for for my line of work and what the Lord has called me to do, we've been transient people. Yep. Like every five years, something to be different, and it's hard for, and it's really hard for I think just in general for pastors to to find yep. uh, friends as well. Um, I've got some some people, some pastors and. and Pastors' wives that I know who they do not friend anybody in the church because they've been hurt so many times. Yep. And so they're just they're really gun shy and uh, they're going to be their pastor, but they're not going to be their friend. And um, I don't know how to to separate those. Yeah. Um, those two personally. It's it's hard because you're going to get hurt in any relationship. Yep. And so for me, you know, we're we're just we've been hurt in relationships and we just. But it, but it's worth. You don't stop. No 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 no. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's it's not. Yeah, the, the the hurt that we might experience is um, is worth uh, the gamble. Come on, to, to provide, that's right. To, provide, to have friendships and things like that. So, um, so yeah, it is hard if you can find a friend and um, uh, I don't know. It's it's, it's just beneficial. Absolutely, hundred percent agree. Good stuff. Most of my friends tend to be in church, though, and we end up talking about church most of the time. Yep. You know, which is another difficult thing to do is how do you, yep. you know, find, for lack of a better term, your identity outside of the church so that when you do have conversations, we're not just talking about church stuff. You're just talking about church, church stuff. Yeah, church stuff. Sure, sure. And so, But that's, again, it's common ground. And so, you know, the friends that we do have that are in our church, you know, we end up talking about church all the time, but it's we both love the church. And yep. so we're, we're trying to figure out, you know, you know where the Lord well, I mean, think about. I mean, we, eternally, that's like we're 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 gonna have. Christ is gonna be the the basis of our friendship, not just here, but man, in twenty thousand years from now, right. like when we're in the corridors of heaven and you and I are walking. Listen, I'm still there's still gonna be high, some some sin less now. I'm there, I'm not gonna have right. a sin nature, but there's still gonna probably be some hijinks, and so. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we, I think. It's, it's vital to find and listen it, it is rare I mean you're, like I said you're like the only guy that I can remember from high school that I'm still 
talking to and that I have meaningful conversations with. Now, there's people that I remember from high school. I'm like, hey, you know, I see them as I maybe pass at Walmart or pass, you know, wherever. Right. And we'll shake hands and we're friendly. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But to have somebody that, that, that knows you and that you can call and be like, dude, here, I'm struggling here. Yeah. Can you pray for me? Can you, you know, how can I pray for you? And, and, and it's been, and it, and it really has been beneficial that our wives yeah, get along. Because there's a lot of times where dudes get along, but their wives don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so true. that's, that's a thing. Yeah. So I'm thankful, I'm thankful the Lord has been gracious in those areas um, for you and I. Yeah. For the past 30, coming on 30 years now. So, isn't it wild? Sounds old now. I don't feel that old. <clears throat> I don't, and that's the thing. I, I don't, don't feel think old. old. That's for I sure. Either. I got, I got a trampoline in the backyard. You want to go jump? Yeah. <laughs> Watch this. Let's go then, jump off the house. Get <laughs> me down to the hospital again. What I need to do on my vacation. So. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, brother, um, thank you for being on the podcast um, hey, and uh, talking talking about the things that we've been talking about and. Uh, I and I hope, you know, I hope it doesn't suck too bad, this podcast. I mean, that's, that's kind of my, you know, my bar on anything is that. I hope it doesn't suck. Doesn't, doesn't suck too bad. And literally, this, just none of my podcasts have an agenda. It's just, I just say, okay, well, let's just hit record and start talking. Yeah. And that's just, that's what I do. So, so far, it's, <clears throat> I think it's good. So, I'm looking forward to some Frank and Lola's tonight. I'm going to, I think, I think I'm going to try the salmon. That's um, good, man. I've been, I'm usually a burger guy, but I'm trying to, to cut back on bread intake and do more fish and it's chicken the, and it's the best salmon dish and I'm not a super big salmon guy but I love their salmon it's, it is wonderful and okay. it's the best bread pudding I'm a, and uh, bread now I said we'll get bread pudding That's I was in like, New Orleans you know two months ago and found a place that was pretty close but there's just nothing no, there's something about I don't know what they do I had to ask them to put ice cream on the one that I got and they thought that was kind of weird like, what are you talking about like that's what they do in Bartlesville. <laughs> I've looked. I've even tried to Google online and try to figure out what the recipe is so I can try to make it at home. Make it at home. Anyways. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for being here. Yep. All right. Thanks we'll talk to you me. soon. Hey, I just want to say thanks to our friends at DSR for sponsoring this podcast. If you're interested in finding a stable work environment, check out dsrbartlesville.com. That's dsrbartlesville.com for job opportunities. Thanks. DSR, we deliver technology.